Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome to Banter. Uh, we are continuing to go through our Pruning the Branches series. Mm. And Mitch, thank you uh, for your teaching on the weekend. Thank you. I think, uh, yeah, a, a real challenge for a lot of us and really um, opening up our eyes, I think, a lot to, we were talking about just before, the expectations that we put on what mm. the uh, the prophets said and how they <laughs> interacted with God. Um, but before we get into that, how's your week been? What's, uh, what's uh, new in the world uh, of Mitch? Uh, week's just gone like a blur like <laughs> kids have been pretty crook this week so oh no they've been must be going around with yeah because you have been sick too yourself i have been yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. kids have been sick and rachel's been sick so yeah so you're yeah. avoiding it at the moment are you <laughs> yeah i seem to have avoided the worst of it nice good so, good, you know? good good yeah. yeah no we are uh moving house this week which is very exciting yeah, is very so exciting. we're living in the city of boxes at the moment yeah. but uh i keep on sort of going like oh where's where's this it's like, oh, it's already been packed. It's like, no. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, have like, I feel like Hugh Jackman from Wolverine at the moment. I've got very long nails because I want to clip my nails, but the manicures has already been packed away. <laughs> Use the first aid kit we have here. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's a bit gross using the sterilizer. Community. More so for other people. I don't no, just care sterilize about it before and after. Yeah, all right. Maybe uh, I'll get, give myself a little pedicure <laughs> or manicure after this. I won't do yeah. pedicure. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. For some reason, toenails are a lot grosser than fingernails. I think fingernails and toenails are equally gross. You reckon? Well, they all both carry germs in them, so you know. Uh, I reckon there's something extra gross yeah, about probably, toenails. Yeah, just feet in general, <laughs> I think. Gross. You know, like you would happily shake someone's hand. But shaking someone's foot, you'd be like... Oh, yeah, that's uh, true, actually. Okay. That's very true. <laughs> no, I definitely uh, prefer to find, like, a, a stray fingernail of somebody's <laughs> lying around. I mean, ideally neither. But if I had to choose... Who is that? The so if you had, like, a single box that you could keep unpacked and the mm. rest of your house had to be packed, what would you put in that single box to keep unpacked? Well, unpacked uh, my laptop. Your laptop? I've had... Phone charges. Um, I don't know. That'd probably be it, really. Everything mm. else in kind of. Oh, toothbrush. Of course, I need yeah, toothbrush. Yeah, toothbrush. Yeah. toothbrush. Toothbrush is an important yeah. one. Yeah. I it's actually, I had um, like a. I have. I just get really dry skin in like mm. winter and autumn, and like the moisturizer's been packed away. Oh. So I now like I'm using my son's up. baby moisturizer. Yeah, it does the job. Just look, it does the job. It's not as good, but it's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to do. So when we moved out here, because it was in the middle of lockdown, half our stuff was like at the in the downstairs part of the manse, and it was just this odd sort of yeah feeling of like, is that here or is it over there? And yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. Because we did it for like, I felt like it was a month. We just started bringing stuff over and back because you know we're bored of lockdown. The only legitimate excuse we could leave our sure. LGA was moving. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> pack the car, move some stuff out. Pack the car, move some stuff out. Trips and drafts. <laughs> so good, so good. Well, look, I think, um, yeah, as I was saying, the uh, sermon on Sunday, I think it was really cool to be talking about, I suppose, attitudes and then how mm. that goes into attitudes on God, 
and mm. how that in I suppose affects our expectations or how yeah. maybe rather our expectations affect our attitudes. Shit, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the like big thing that um, a lot of people took out of it was just how complex the Bible is and how complex the relationship is with its writers and God. Mm. Um, for you, what has been maybe some expectations over the years in your faith kind of, cause mm. growing up in a Christian home, I'm sure, you know, not, you know, it's any fault of your parents, but just growing up in Christian culture, yeah. you know, you kind of can latch on to maybe some bad mm. theology, even from a youth leader or yeah. whatever it is. Um, what were some expectations that are growing and developing and maturing as a Christian mm. you've had challenged and maybe mm. even stripped away? Yeah, I think I had a view of God for a long time. It's a bit of a good principal, schoolmaster, mm. sort of. He's always angry with you. Yeah. And like, yeah, sure, he sent Jesus to die for us, but we're sinful, wretched people, and God's kind of angry. That's mm. probably, yeah, a view. You take that around the Old Testament, like God's like yeah. angry and kills the Canaanites and killed the Israelites. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. He killed Jesus and he should have killed you too. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of, yeah. yeah, that was probably some of the expectations that have been, um, yeah, cut away. And mm. just, uh, yeah. And probably the biggest one, that misconception of God just being constantly angry at us. And we yeah. just constantly have to, just, oh, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm a terrible, yeah, wretched yeah, person. Yeah. So, yeah. That's really interesting. Sort mm. of like a lot of expectations, almost to the opposite of what we were looking at on yes. Sunday. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So instead of God blessing us, it's almost like expect to be like miserable because that's sort of what, yeah. I don't know. I don't think that's what my parents would have taught, but I remember having kind of those thoughts, mm. particularly as like a kid, like kind of just, you don't sort of repent. God will be angry and mm. yeah, the world's a terrible, sinful place and God's angry at that. And yeah, 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 yeah. That's probably, yeah, it, I, I would say. And it came more nuanced, like, Shaped, obviously, as I became yeah. older, away from that. What were some moments or passages or, yeah, revelations that you had sort of growing up and maturing that mm. maybe adjusted or changed those? Uh, I, um, well, well, the big ones I was sharing before was actually in college. The only thing I remember from Jeremiah when we did it was that passage I read out in Jeremiah 20, verse 7. Mm. And it just when I remember the lecturer unpacked the language around it, about you know you deceived me or coerced me into being a prophet and i allowed you to do it and, you know you overcame my resistance and prevailed over me he's just saying like this is language around like rape and sexual coercion and i remember just being horrified like what mm. what like yeah but then looking at how like you can start at this really low place and a lot of the psalmists do start in this really low place that's god why are you doing these things yeah and then always sort of ends up in hope. And so I think that's what it was started that sort of reframing journey mm. around God actually can, yeah, you can actually cry out to God and be quite angry and you're not going to get zapped with lightning. I think that's sure. what I took away from that, yeah. that lecture. I was yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah. like there's this space for lament and anger. Totally. But not, and once you sort of do that, it ends up in praise and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, Jeremiah, well, actually, I didn't even talk about it. It gets complex because when Jeremiah kind of ends on that whole hope, you're my warrior and you'll defeat my enemies, and he kind of cursed the day I was born, he sort of launches back into it. But, um, yeah, like, but like any other time that you see someone lament, it usually ends on a high point. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. The classic Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Jesus quotes. Yeah. And, but then the Psalm ends on hope. And so, totally. by extension, when Jesus cries out that Psalm, you think, hmm, the whole context of Psalm 22, yeah, it's this time of like suffering and uncertainty, but it ends in hope. And so, in a way, Jesus is, even by crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Element of hope in that, because we know how the Psalm ends. Yeah. We know how Jesus. Yeah, time yeah. on the cross ends with his sure. glorification. So. Yeah. I suppose it is even interesting, obviously, um, this pa- this passage where, you know, Jeremiah is really accusing God, God of some pretty heinous things. And I think for mm. most people, probably one of the most awful things that they could possibly conceive. Mm. This comes before that kind of classic Jeremiah 29, mm. 11 verse, which I think is fascinating that despite this, he can still sort of, you know, um, meditate and um, mm. be anchored in the truth of like, I know the plans yeah. I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And that sort of, even in itself, um, makes Jeremiah twenty nine eleven even more striking mm. and profound. That despite this is how Jeremiah has felt or feels in this moment, mm. that there's still this, this hope, hope. Yeah. that he holds on to. Yeah, and I think... Um, yeah, one of the things with Jeremiah twenty nine eleven is, yeah, hopefully no one misunderstood it. Not saying that it's not a nice verse, but it's hope in the midst of like difficulty. Sure. And so yeah, yeah, that that was one of the in the letter he's warning them, saying, um, you know, there's there's people here who are prophesying, saying, you know, it's only going to be a couple of years, yada yada yada. Yeah. So it's not in the letter itself, but it's that's around that's a context, that's the language. I hear it said here, um, do not let the prophets or those among you who claim to be able to predict the future deceive you, do not pay attention to the dreams. And so that was sort of the context around it was that this whole it's gonna be a short time. It's gonna be a short time. Yeah. And Jeremiah's which it also kind of him. wasn't a short time, as you sort of yeah. explored. Like yeah, it's this 70 idea years. Of so years. if your expectation is and so I have to kind of take another step back. So to 200 years prior to the time of Isaiah, mm. when um, it, um, when the Assyrians were um, attacking Jerusalem, and so King Hezekiah, he goes to Isaiah and they start praying all night. And so the Assyrian army surrounding Jerusalem, mm. and it just talks about how the angel of Yahweh came through and killed 185,000 soldiers. And so it created this aura that Jerusalem was ultimately indestructible Mm. and so yeah okay sure enemies will come in from time to time and take us but like at its core Jerusalem will never fall Mm. and so Ezekiel who's a contemporary of Jeremiah but just in Babylon yeah he has to speak a lot about that like Ezekiel lies on his side and you know puts iron pan up around this model of Jerusalem and like kind of destroys it and whacks down the city and and it's like this idea that Jerusalem itself's not it's not the eternal city it yeah. can fall and yeah. that's in a sense what Jeremiah is speaking into these false prophets are saying oh, no, no, it's going to be fine okay you're gone for now but don't worry it's all going to be good and Jeremiah is saying well no 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 like the God has good plans for you exiles yeah. but it's in Babylon yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not in Jerusalem yeah and so yeah make peace with the city you're in in the situation that yeah. you're in uh, yeah, and so that's some of the expectations. If like the whole four spiritual laws, 
principle. You know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Yeah. So do you not believe that? No, I do believe that. But so, it's how you interpret wonderful. Yeah. So, so the, unpack what, how you would define wonderful. Uh, so I would define wonderful as God's plan of salvation through sure. Jesus. And so, and so those four spiritual laws doesn't, it never implies anything different outside of that. Yeah. But it's the language behind that. And yeah, so yeah. words can have, you know, two people can read the same sentence and come to very different conclusions. Yeah, and so yeah, if yeah. you see the word wonderful and, and think that that's like life's going to be peachy yeah. and you're going to be left bitterly disappointed, or you mm. see the word wonderful and go, okay, like my life right now is miserable. Mm. Or if you're a persecuted Christian, sure. You know, if you lost your job in prison for that, be like, well, God still has a wonderful plan for me. I've been saved. Yeah, yeah. I'm born again. And I know I have a future hope. Like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. so, yeah. it's how you interpret the word wonderful. Well, would be a better adjective um, uh, for you instead of wonderful. Mm. God, <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't even say the word perfect plan. God has a... Oh, I can't remember the Hebrew word, but in Ecclesiastes 3, about the time passage, he says he makes all things beautiful in his time. And it's mm. beautiful as in appropriate. Like it's not yeah, necessarily yeah, like yeah. beauty as in like perfect. It's beauty as in like, oh, you know, that's good timing. Yeah, yeah, appropriate yeah. timing. It's like God yeah. loves you has an appropriate plan yeah. for your life. Something like that. Something yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. There's, sort of, yeah. yeah. A plan of like salvation. Yeah. That, because that's at our core, Christianity is about the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, like how, how we how we made right with God, how we justified by faith. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Paul's words, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that that's the core of the good news: is our sins are forgiven. Jesus is ruling and reigning. Jesus will return. Yeah. And so, so like this lifetime, you're gonna have tribulations, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you know, if you know, your life is surrounded by sickness and death and destruction it's hard to see well because then that's how your theology can be shaped or maybe i've done something wrong yeah to deserve this yeah yeah yeah. and so yeah yeah god's you know got an appropriate plan for your life in some way in some way yeah yeah yeah. i wonder even if like just stripping the adjective away yeah god God has has a plan plan for your life and this idea that we have an option to either follow Mm. that plan or not Mm. Um, but there's no necessarily, you know, sort yeah. of um, guarantee blanket vanilla adjective that yes. can blanket cover the plan that he has mm. for everybody's life, mm. but rather just the fact that he has a plan for your life mm. and his desire is for us to seek yeah. that out. Because yeah. one of the, my, because I spoke of two of my favorite books in scripture, Job and Ecclesiastes, and um, yeah, it speaks into, I called Santa Claus, Santa Claus theology yeah. or like retribution theology yeah, yeah. and, Retribution is basically if you're good, you get good things. If you're bad, you get bad things. So Santa Claus, you know, he knows if you're naughty or nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a good little kitty, you get your presents. If you're a bad little kitty, you get a lump of coal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an omnipresent yeah. figure yes. who gives us gifts. Yeah. yeah, and so what a lot of Old Testament commentators say is like Proverbs kind of gives you your traditional retribution theology, which is an oversimplification of Proverbs as yeah. a book. Yeah. And then Job and Ecclesiastes challenges that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's kind of the broad brushstroke, and yeah. so if you believe in like Santa Claus or retribution theology, yeah. if you see someone that's sick, just seems to have you just we just know people that just seem to have just a run of I don't like saying to bad luck, but bad luck in inverted commas, just one thing after another happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With so you health. think like, well, you have done something to deserve this, which is and sort so, of what 
some of Job's mates say, yeah, right? yeah, he must have done something to deserve this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because retribution at its core it is about protecting God's righteousness and goodness. Like yeah. God is a just God, and yeah. so you expect him to judge fairly. And if you've been a faithful follower, like go in the Old Testament Torah, you expect that. And it, Deuteronomy promises this. If the Israelites were faithful, you're going to have lots of crops. You're not going to be drought. There's not going to be mm. warfare. There's but, and that's where the curse parts. If you do this, yeah, yeah. you're going to have famine and pestilence and eventually you're going to be exiled. Yeah, yeah. And so it does seem to create. So even in scripture, there is like God promises that happen, but life is messy and complex. Yeah, and yeah. So Job, so what's great about the book, the, the Satan, and yeah, that's a title. It's like, so in Hebrew, it's just Hasatan, the Satan. Yeah, so yeah. where or not that's the. So what does term. Satan mean? Adversary. Sure. So, so the adversary. adversary. Yeah. So it's a not necessarily an evil term. So some Old Testament commentators would say the Satan isn't the same as the Satan in the New Testament. Sure. I wouldn't go that far. I think that there's something evil about a a being that's willing to destroy yeah. a man's livelihood and children. So, sure. but it's interesting in Hebrew. He's just called the Satan. The Bible Project said they won't even give him a title. Won't even give him a name. It's just the title. That's how much they disrespect him. It's an interesting way to frame it. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But regardless, the, the yeah, Satan. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Satan's question is: Does Job fear God for nothing? It's implied that well, you've given him everything, so that's the reason why he worships you. Yeah. And so yeah, you strip it back, and we find that Job wrestles a lot and yeah, yeah, gets yeah. into some pretty dark territory. In fact, he curses the day of his birth, yeah, yeah, yeah. calls upon Leviathan, like yeah. a, to, you know, somehow just erase the night he was conceived. Like, yeah, it's yeah, how yeah. to, yeah, his encounter with yeah. God in the cloud. And it doesn't answer the question of evil and suffering, but it does It does prove that Job does worship God for nothing. He's yeah. stripped away of everything and yeah. doesn't curse God. I suppose like Job sort of raises two questions. Mm. It's one, will you still worship God mm. when you know you face trial and tribulation? Mm. But I think it like brings up another question of, you know, for people who and I think it's pretty safe, you know, in, in our church, in our country, mm. to say that, you know, there are many of us who are incredibly blessed, mm. you know. Um, what should we be worshipping God for? So if God has blessed us with material wealth, with a great life, with, you know, a, a healthy family and friends mm. and, you know, fulfilling job, mm -hmm. you know, the list could go on. Mm. Um, I think that there's definitely a place to be thankful oh, yeah. for what God has given us. But I suppose, yeah, my question to you is what should somebody who is very materially blessed, and I say that mm. both in objects yeah, and yeah, wealth yeah. and also health, what 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 should they be focusing their worship on ultimately? There's an element mm. of thankfulness, yeah, yeah. but what should their worship be focused on? Uh, the core tenets of who God is. God who is slow to anger, compassionate and full of love. Uh, that same God that sent Jesus to this earth. Um, yeah, I, I guess if you... Yeah, kind of worship God as like... If you just see him as almost a, a genie... You know, if I do the right things, he'll kind of keep blessing yeah. me. Then he just, you basically just gone down the road of animism, which is what animism was functionally. I manipulate the gods to get what I want. And so, 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, and it's a challenge that I wrestle with. I remember one morning sitting, playing with the kids in the park out there and reading about the Ukraine. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, it leaves me big questions. Like, why Australia is so, like, blessed and why there's, like, the Ukraine. And there's lots of countries like that. And so, yeah, the, these are questions that I myself wrestle with being in yeah. the nice side of life, in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. particularly here in Dural. It's a yeah. very, very lovely part of Sydney. Yeah. And, yeah, they, there's a... So these things are very thankful for God, but it's that knowledge of that I don't worship God just because of what he's given me. I worship for who he is. Yeah. And, yeah, that they're the core tenets of what scripture reveal in him. And... Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's what I see about the book of Job. Like, is that ultimately Job is stripped away of everything, can still worship. And then God, and then at the end there, it's interesting at the end, God restores him all his, like, stuff, which... Well, has, and, and, and twice for his yeah, trouble. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I think, like, if you're a prosperity preacher, you could very easily jump onto it and be like, you are being, you know, tried right now, no, but God's going to give you double for your trouble kind of thing. And in like, some ways, they're not wrong. And so there's a theology called over-realized eschatology. Yeah. And so over-realized means that you think the blessings of Jesus' second coming arrival are here now. Yeah. And so... There's elements of truth to it because Jesus said, "Hey, what you ever get for the kingdom, you're going to get a hundredfold." Yeah. So, and like the belief in the kingdom is it's this earth restored. It's not sure. some we don't live as some disembodied spirit floating in the clouds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We live in a restored earth, however that looks like. Sure. But the point is, is like, and N.T. Wright says it quite well about Job. He's like, we're seeing God's righteous justice revealed in this time and space and he uses that to link to the importance of Jesus could you say that again so so N.T. Wright links Job's restoration after his suffering as God's justice in this time and space so this earth and he connects that into Jesus resurrection so that's why the importance of Jesus resurrection reveals God's justice because there will be justice against all the evil and suffering yeah sure because as he noted in his book called evil and god's justice it's like job's not whisked away into paradise he's given restoration in this lifetime and so he sees that as being in a sense pointing to like the future restoration it's sort of a hint of what's to come and yeah like like i said jesus Jesus promised the disciples that like okay what you give up in this lifetime you're going to receive more so when the kingdom's here so yeah in one sense like the prosperity guys they just have the over-realized eschatology. In some sense, they're right. They're like, yes, that is right. But also not necessarily here. That's why, yeah. that's why scholars call it the now, not yet of the kingdom. Yeah. Like Jesus, Jesus' transfiguration is the arrival of the kingdom. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, Jesus even said, they go, some of you, you know, won't see death till you see the kingdom's arrival. Like that's part of it. It's here, but yeah. not yet. And so we're yeah. left in a world where Retribution theology should make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A plus B should equal C. Yeah, yeah. But we don't. And so, yeah, Job and Ecclesiastes challenge that, particularly like that yeah. passage I read from chapter 8, 14. You know, I see the righteous getting what the wicked deserve and the wicked getting what the righteous deserve. He's like, oh, I don't get it. It's an enigma. It's Chabel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and so here there is just 
looking at life and not just going, okay, you've got bad things, that means you're a bad person. You've got good things, that means you're a good person. He goes, no, no, I've seen like both. I've seen the wicked like get away with tremendous, horrific acts and be mm. blessed for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and then yeah. he links the book and goes, ah, be, and then he goes, I don't really get this, but ultimately, no, it goes better with those who fear God. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. sort of some of his conclusion, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is what I love. It's yeah. this, no, no, there is hard answers, like hard truths. I know ultimately it's better for you to fear God, but I still don't get life. There yeah, is an yeah. enigma, yeah, yeah, yeah. a chabel nature yeah, yeah. to it, meaningless, a vanity, whatever you want to... Yeah, it's a very difficult word to translate. Yeah. But I like that. I like that translation from the Net Bible. Enigma. It's an enigma. Mm. It's a mystery. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't really know this. So yeah, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. So I want to kind of talk a bit more about um, why it's maybe easier for us in a modern setting to uh, misinterpret scripture to. Mm just jump on a little passage. I think a lot of people mm. would probably know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. you know, yeah, could yeah. roughly paraphrase it. Uh, I know I've, you know, heard a lot of people, mm. you know, sort of refer to it in prayers and stuff, mm. but ultimately um, it is one of those things where I think a lot of people uh, when push came to shove, probably wouldn't be able to explore or expand what the actual context and, mm. you know, the idea of that is. Um, I kind of want to look at quickly the Geneva Bible, which yeah, is like okay, 500, yeah, yeah. yeah, actually almost 500 years yeah. ago. I'm saying here it was published in 1524. Mm. Um, and essentially it was like the first Bible which actually had chapters and verses in it, which is pretty crazy to think that actually we're living in a minority mm. um, as far as time of church history that had a Bible where you could actually look up a yeah. chapter, like even just a chapter, chapter yes. and then a verse. Mm. Um, how do you think that would have changed before sort of, you know, the 16th century? Mm. Um, people's interaction with the Bible. Obviously, mm. lit literacy rates were very yes. different back then as well. Maybe even a better question is, how would it change our interaction with the Bible today yeah. if there were no chapters and verses? Mm. Well... I think you'd be reading it in larger slabs, sure. For starters, um, I, I guess the reason why you have chapters and verses where you can find things yep. easier. I it's often think helpful. of I often think of um, Hebrews, Hebrews two six. The author says there is a place where it somewhere has testified. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. is man <clears throat> that you're mindful of him? Like he's referring back to Psalm eight. Yeah, yeah. And so I find it interesting. It's not even going. Oh, in Psalm eight, it's just it's written somewhere. Yeah. Someone said this. So even there, yeah. like. Because um, yeah. I guess for those, they would have had scrolls. Yeah. But even the scrolls weren't fully, like, it wasn't like you could just pick up a Tanakh scroll with Genesis to Chronicles in one in one reading. Sure. It was split up. So, but, uh, yeah, I think to be reading the context more fully. Yeah. Um, I, I think of a novel. No one picks up a Jane Austen novel and just reads a sentence you kind of read the whole thing or at least yeah. know yeah. so that probably is some of the things that change it I, I, there's some bibles that will just have taken away like chapters and verses to try to yeah, feel right. more like a novel yeah, yeah, yeah. so you're just reading it in one sitting yeah um, yeah so that's probably it. it's very hard to come I, I'm not an expert or know very much about how the Bible was read pre Gutenberg yeah, printing yeah, press. Yeah. It was, yeah. like I said, high illiteracy rates. So you were reliant upon 
Yeah. Well, certainly in, in Jewish circles, you were relying upon like a scroll reader. Mm-hmm. Um, in the early churches, you had like when Paul or John or whoever wrote a letter, yeah, a professional orator would read out yeah. that letter in one sitting and make yeah. it dramatic and interesting. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're reliant upon that. That's kind of interesting mm. even in itself. Like if you aren't reading it um, with no, you know, if you're not reading it yourself and there aren't any sort of direct reference points for mm. finding smaller excerpts of the yeah. you know, book, that's just going to change the way that you're engaging with scripture so much. Like mm. you're um, not going to be doing that like deep, like breaking down a sentence into its basic components mm. in the same way that, I mean, really we're often encouraged to today in, you know, higher sort of theological circles to do. I know that there's sort of been a movement away from breaking down, mm. you know, a sentence into its nuts and bolts and preaching on, you know, the, yeah. the breakdown of a sentence, but rather, okay, cool. How does this passage fit into the broader yeah. vision yeah. of scripture? Mm. And I think definitely like, uh, I'm just imagining, I shouldn't yeah, say yeah. definitely, but I imagine that that really would have been the way that people were engaging with it a lot more. Um, a lot more meditatively kind Mm. of sitting back and allowing it to wash over them rather than maybe studying it in the same way yeah yeah, I imagine just would have been such a different way to engage with scripture look I know in the the Qumran community which was a ascetic group that was around around the time of John the Baptist yeah and that's where all those like scrolls were found yeah yeah. so like for them like they could obviously read and write and they would yeah, that was like, I think to join Qumran, you had to have memorized some ridiculous amount of scripture yeah. or like a dedicated X amount of years of study before you were like yeah, yeah, allowed yeah. to be a member that was really intense. So, yeah. yeah, it's, but yeah, I think too, that was their life. Like that was what you dedicated your whole life to, yeah. was the study of scripture. It's very different today. Yeah, I do sometimes uh, think about how much my mates in high school would like quote Anchorman to each other. Mm. And how, you know, we would, or, you know, whatever movie it was, mm. that was one of the movies, but, you know, um, because we would watch that movie like multiple yeah. times, just immerse ourselves yeah. in it and then be quoting it to yeah. each other in daily conversation. Mm. And just imagine, you know, there's no TV, there's yeah. no, you know, sort of internet. Um, like that's what you immerse yourself yeah. in, you know, it's not even radio, right? And then um, this idea, it's like, well, yeah, we, we, we read scripture mm. or we immerse ourselves in that. But I think to like say like an ant command quote like if someone quoted well like oh, I can think of that classic one well that escalated quickly yeah yeah, after, yeah for sure like you know the context yeah. immediately yeah you know this just happened after that big fight yeah yeah um, yeah you don't need that explained yeah I think that's often our problem with scripture is that we don't get a lot of those just throwaway references that yeah. the immediate the original readers would understand straight away yeah and Absolutely. so we. I think that's where we lose a lot of yeah just misunderstand passages and look in truth it's hard work like there's mm, i was talking to rach about this last week i said oh, i can see why we just try to simplify christianity because it's studying scripture is really tough because we've been going through romans in our morning bible study yeah. it's a tough <laughs> book man like there's some big questions there yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Paul's talking about the law and, you know, by faith we fulfill the law. And it's like, what does that mean? He's saying that we don't need the law. And it's just you, just that in some ways it's like if you have no Christian background, yeah, like where do you, like, 
it sounds like a dumb question, but almost where do you begin? And everyone's like, oh, you start with Genesis. But then that's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is a lifetime of study and commitment. And so I guess this, that proverb says, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Well, I'll start with a single bite. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kind of yeah. just got to start. Yeah, not the book that. of proverbs i should say no no uh, <laughs> don't, don't look, don't that look at that one yeah, <laughs> yeah. people are googling that. that's it. yeah yeah where is this elephant <laughs> yeah no but i think spot on hey like it can seem so overwhelming um mm. and yeah like where where do we start but i think that um one thing that i really cha- was challenged with uh mm. was last year at mauling um, within the space of a year, I had to sort of read the whole Bible, mm. which, you know, doesn't actually sound that crazy, but the reality is semesters are only 13 weeks long. Mm. So you're actually reading half the Bible in 13 weeks. And then suddenly you're like, oh, okay. Like that's, that's a lot of Bible to get through. You know, mm. it's a lot of just reading full stop. And I kind of had to get to a point where I couldn't go down every rabbit hole. Um, I, I just didn't have time. No, you're right? Like, I'd be like, what? Yeah. Like, what does that mean and stuff? And I had to allow it to, as I was kind of saying before, in the way that if someone's reading it, mm. like, especially in a public setting, like, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. stop the rabbi and go, yeah. hold on, hey, rabbi. Like, just that? hold up there, go back a little bit. Uh, well, you couldn't even say go back yeah, three yeah. verses. It's just, I don't know. Go, go back a bit. Yeah. Um, you, you just have to let it wash over you with the mm. expectation that I was going to go back again mm. at some point. And yeah. go over it again. Not not tomorrow necessarily yeah. even, but the next time that I'm reading that book yeah. of the Bible. And I think that that really changes the way that we think about it when we start to understand it as meditation literature. Yeah. That it's oh. like, hey, I'm going to let some things almost fly mm. past me yep. or fly over my head mm. this time. And that's okay. And not that we shouldn't constantly be wanting to go deeper, mm. but just maybe having a little bit of peace and letting ourselves off the hook a bit that you don't have to understand everything that Paul is saying in Romans the first time you read it. The aim is obviously to get to a point where you do, Mm -hmm. but yeah, just like almost take it easy on yourself a little bit. There's a lot there. It's super dense and you'll probably end up finding that each time you read it, something new will come out, something you further will be developed. Mm. Um, Would you say that that's maybe healthy advice for people who are feeling a little bit overwhelmed? Yes. Yes, I would actually. Because um, interesting, I spend a lot of time listening to the audio Bible. I find the message the easiest. I actually think it's the reader. I like the the guy does the reading. Yeah, it makes a big difference. He's right? a good reader. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so this I, is on the U version. Like, the Bible? U version app. Yeah. yeah. App? So yeah. I, I would. I guess I don't particularly like the message from the New Testament. I think it's pretty rubbish. But the Old Testament I find really helpful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. We anyway. But um, so I was listening to Lamentations. I just was just, yeah, really struck listening to it. It's like, wow, like, yeah, just so, like, brutal about the state of the fall of Jerusalem and just this yeah. weeping and lamenting. And it's like, actually made me go, okay, now I've listened to that. I actually went deeper and got the net version, which has, like, translator's notes in it. Yeah, right. And so sometimes they give you really helpful things about why they translated a word this way. And, yeah. And, yeah, just, like, unpacking that. And so... So I can see, yeah, that kind of listening and then honing deeper yeah, on that. It's, um, yeah, but I would just suggest to people just getting into the word. There's, yeah, it, the, the, as it says there in Hebrews, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, you know, dividing soul and spirit and marrow. And 
Yeah, there's times I think where God's word, it can be used, I say devotionally, in a sense that you read a passage and it can be completely, you can use it out of context, but that's what God needs for you right now. Um, so, you know, well, let's just use Jeremiah twenty nine eleven for example. You read that and you think, okay, oh, God's got a wonderful plan for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, I know he loves me. I'm going to get through this. Yeah. There's times where you don't need to know that. Okay, he wrote this in the year 592 BC. Yeah, yeah. If we go back to Jeremiah 27, yeah, you'll yeah. find yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and this was written to a letter, you know, and I it. There's times that that's not helpful. Yeah. And so this is where I sort of see there's times where you can, the Bible can be devotional. That you yeah. read a, yeah, well, Jesus in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Yeah. You're like, oh man, I need rest right now. Yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. need that, like, yoke. That's yeah. easy and light. Yeah. And there's times where like, no, you need to actually understand this in its context and you're speaking against the Pharisees who were trying to put a yoke on Christ and Jesus coming to bring a different yoke yeah, and yeah. fulfill that ultimate Sabbath rest yeah, and yeah. how that links in with creation. There's times to do that. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's knowing the, I guess, the appropriate time, which is what lives in literature is about, funnily enough, when yeah, to yeah, act. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of the two ways that I've seen scripture there's been times i read a verse and it's like oh that really speaking to me right yeah. now yeah. and i've it's not necessarily the context that the author was intending sure but that's okay because that's what god's been using for me right now and there's times too where you need to know the context so you're not yeah. misusing scripture and so yeah. there's a yeah, i guess there's a bit of a balance in where yeah because i've had people tell me it's like oh you know i just want to read the bible and i was like yeah yeah i get that yeah we also, this was written in a particular language. Yeah. Or languages, Hebrew, yeah. Aramaic, and Greek. Yeah. In a particular time to a particular people. Yeah. With particular, particular times, which makes it even yeah. more confusing. It's yeah. not even just and one culture. Yeah. Particular intent. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to, like, and some, uh, I've seen other people say, oh, you don't need to know all that stuff, like God's words, God's words, timeless. I'm like, well, yes, but also not, because, yeah. you know, when you read Nehemiah and he's talking about. <laughs> letters written to other governors and you know about brew building walls like that's that's clearly not timeless there's an element of like historical yeah, yeah, yeah. context this is the yeah, yeah. you know we're in but yeah you can draw principles from Nehemiah for like yeah you know if you're struggling to rebuild your life so yeah, yeah. yes <clears throat> would, a, would a good filter to put all sort of scripture that you know we might just mm. see at a glance a verse mm. or something be is it pointing me towards loving God and mm. loving people? Hmm. That's a very good filter. Because I think, mm. like, ultimately, it may be a little bit out of context, you might find. Yeah. But if it's pointing you towards loving yeah. God and or loving people, yeah. and, you know, maybe even in a healthy way, like loving yourself as, mm. like, a, you know, masterpiece made in the image of God, yeah. I think, like, maybe that's a good place to start. And if you are a little bit wrong in that moment that, you know, the mm. writer maybe wasn't yeah, actually yeah, yeah. <clears throat> professing his love for God yeah, yeah, or professing yeah. his love for people or their love for people, um, that at least it's still pointing you in the right direction of the yeah. overall heart of Scripture. Mm. And, and look, and one thing with, like, Scripture is... sounds like, like my views on different passages have shaped and changed. Sure. And I'm, so I've preached through the book of Ecclesiastes three times. I've been a pastor since 2014. So yeah. it's, yeah, three times in eight years. Yeah. And I was reading through the first set of sermons I preached through, and I was like, oh, I don't think that's right. Yeah, right. Like, oh, I think that's actually, I disagreed with myself because I had, 
shaped and changed and so this is and yeah yeah and i think too we don't perfectly know scripture there's yeah like very very smart men and women like let's take the book of revelation they argue yeah, oh, this means this, you know. Yeah. Revelation's wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, and so I think we're left. I I see that as actually part of the the joy of studying scripture is to actually wrestle, and I quite enjoy reading different people's views, even if I totally disagree. Yeah, I'm like oh, that's really interesting. Like I find it interesting how you, yeah, your frame. Because yeah. also we can't get into the minds of the biblical authors. We yeah. can try our best. We have lots of archaeology yeah. and like research into ancient Near Eastern cultures. Yeah. But, yeah, we don't know the mind of Moses yeah, yeah. or Matthew. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. a good reminder as well, I think, just like for, you know, whether it's you or me or, you know, mm. Brian or anybody preaching on a Sunday mm. or whether it's, you know, some, you know, theologian who is now long past and has mm. almost in some ways be, been canonized as yes. a later yeah, modern yeah, church yeah. father or, you know, whatever it is. To say, hey, like ultimately they're not Jesus. No. Ultimately, like they're not perfect. And ultimately, like there is a place to go, hey, like that that doesn't sound right to me. Mm. Like let's go deeper into that. Let's yeah. explore that further. Let's keep on questioning that rather than just taking everything, everything is, on yeah, face value. Gospel and truth. I think we've spoken about this before on Banter, but the way that, you know, Jewish traditions sort of, you know, a rabbi will come up and it's like, Well, this is my interpretation mm. of scripture. And obviously, you know, that can start to get very tricky if every single person just goes, well, this is my interpretation. My, yeah, yeah. You know, like, obviously, these are people who are very learned and yeah, very yeah. considered. They're not just coming, hey, this is what I yeah, think. Yeah. Like, there's there's deep consideration in it. But yeah. the, ultimately, there is a place for that in the, you know, broader interpretation of, of mm. Scripture that hey, like obviously there's those essentials <laughs> that Jesus is the son of God, that yeah. he died for our sins, that he rose on the third day, that all those who believe in him mm. will be saved at the coming end days. But, you know, outside of some very core essentials, there is maybe some room to be like, hey, like let's continue yeah, to, to wrestle. wrestle. Let's continue to grow. Yeah. But in saying that though, but the more you understand the ancient world, it is easier sure. to get scripture. Like sure. there's... I was talking about this with someone... Um, yeah, Jesus cursing the fig tree. Yeah. Like, well, what's, what's the go with that? And I'm like, oh, well, figs like were symbolically represented Israel. In fact, the rabbis thought that the fig tree was what Adam and Eve yeah. ate from the fruit. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, that makes a bit more sense. Like, yeah. saying like Israel's failed yeah, to yeah, fruit. Yeah. Well, it's like, yeah. oh, it's not just Jesus. Well, like some people have literally said, oh, Jesus was like hungry and had low blood sugar. Like because they have <laughs> no frame or reference sure, sure, to sure. what figs mean. Sure, sure, sure. And so that yeah. can give you, so understanding that gives yeah. you a lot more like totally grounding. Yeah. I think I once said in the sermon, if Jesus had cursed a eucalyptus tree and a koala had fallen out of it, we'd probably kind of know where what he was getting at. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. And so it's, yeah. it's all that like, yeah, even like, oh. Yeah, with figs, when it talks about Solomon's reign, everyone said only his own fig and vine. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's a sign of similar wealth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, like we would, no, we would not describe having a fig tree no. and a vine as a similar wealth. We'd be like, oh, you know, your cars or your mansion. Yeah, that's yeah, our... Yeah, 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 yeah sure. or, you know. So there are times where you're knowing the culture it helps interpretation. So you need both. You that's need to, good. yeah. And kind of like looking at this around expectations with God and is that is that is yeah being i guess oh, i keep going back to it but like two-handed so like yeah that's no, good like that's good looking at some passages which promise you know like 
guess, a wonderful life in inverted commas. Yeah. Hey, you know, I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, yada, yada, yada. And then times like where Ecclesiastes or Job where it's like, Ooh, I don't get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but that's why I wanted to really finish the sermon with Jeremiah's lament. Uh, yeah. Picked a pretty extreme example because, like, that's I think it's about as far as blasphemy as you can go. <laughs> like, yeah. borderline just to be like, ah, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah. Feels like we're in this marriage that you've just tricked me in, and now yeah, you've yeah, abused yeah. and abused me. Ah, but I gotta keep preaching your word. It's like a fire in my yeah. heart. I just can't stop. Yeah, and I know that you will ultimately defeat my enemies. And so it's like, okay, yeah. So it's not saying that. Ah, well, you know, whatever. If it's life's bad, just suck it up. Sure. princess it's no like it's times to lament but yeah yeah what what's your expectation of god framed on yeah so, that's good yeah so good yeah man well uh yeah we are uh on to pruning relationships yeah. this weekend with me <laughs> yes what's uh i'd actually forgotten what the next someone asked me i was like oh man i've forgotten i have to look it up Wait, i'm sure it's something to do with pruning uh pruning, yeah yes pruning relationships, pruning relationships. so yeah that's i'm right. more looking at it from the side of topiary <laughs> topiary yeah like you know how we prune topiary to like shape it yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. and, and to create really clear boundaries and distinctions to mm-hmm. ultimately create something which is very good okay. so i suppose my little um teaser is uh i'm even going all the way back to genesis that mm. god takes a dark chaotic disorderly world yeah, yeah and makes it very good by creating clear boundaries. Mm. And that doesn't mean that those two boundaries, uh, you know, don't sometimes meet and can't get a little bit blurry, like, you know, light and dark being at a sunset Mm. or, you know, a a beach being where earth and water sort of meet. But this idea that really to create healthy, you know, environments and healthy relationships, we need to be creating boundaries. Mm. And what does the Bible have to say about Mm. that? Yeah. And because we're recording this on a Thursday, you probably won't change your mind. I'm probably a lot more close. Yeah. To, uh, I'm, very, I'm very mindful that this segment of banter is sometimes completely redundant yeah, by know, the time the next like, Tuesday is like yeah. a Tuesday or Sunday, a lot can change. I'm sure that there's some people who listen to an episode of banter and then immediately listen to the sermon and go, like, where did they mention that? Yeah. But that's okay. Well, I changed my sermon three times last week. And like, I and like at the being, 11th hour. That's you being in tune with the spirit. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it. I would like, genuinely was, say. Like I had something total. I had pretty much something. So the small group questions was re- originally where I was going to go. <laughs> and then I just kind of threw Those that out. Those small group questions really stitch you up. They eh? do. <laughs> Sometimes they're really helpful, but this week just, yeah. I think I was, I think I was like, I was wanted to explore that whole expectation thing. So I was like, hey, I'm the SP, I can do what I want. With Love reason. <laughs> Let's continue to wrestle with that this week. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks, Mitch, for the chat. See you Sunday. See you then. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.